0: Where is that set right now?
1: A little below middle.
0: I'm gonna have you put it like seventy five percent of the way to the right.
1: Ooh, like that's a big jump.
0: Yeah, try talking a little bit. Okay. How is that? You sound better. Any better? Yeah, I think you sound better. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
1: I feel so much better.
0: Hello, and welcome to good-looking people in small, clever rooms that utilize every centimeter of available space with mind-boggling efficiency. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Brianna. Greetings. And as always, we're joined by my mom, Norma.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And by our friend, Vinny. Hiya. This is our 30th episode.
1: Ooh. Oh. Oh, happy 30.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Should we just dive right in? We start with this correspondence between... Marlon bain and uh helen Steeply that connects to a longish mm-hmm. end note
1: yeah helen is really digging deep
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh um one thing before we get into the end note uh that i wanted to point out is that i enjoy that uh moment magazine is on blasted expanse boulevard
0: yes <laughs> yes well so this has got to be uh- helen's hotel room or something because it's in mm. uh it's in arizona in tucson yeah and moment itself i think is in boston
1: oh okay is it i believe so i had a question of clarification so were they corresponding back and forth with each question
0: no it looks so
1: or was it like a whole
0: well okay so this correspondence in the mainstream of the text is three letters we get a letter from Helen to Marlon Bain asking if she can ask him some questions and he says fire away. And then we get a third letter back from Helen to Marlon saying QQQ 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 QQ. So I take which
4: infuriates me by the way.
0: I take that to mean that all of these questions are in one letter.
1: There was something somewhere that made me think that there had been a response to a question that led to another question. Yeah, Somewhere. the end
3: note kind of seems like that uh, that
0: there are That's why
1: I wondered responses in between, was after like the question 4
0: maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, so he asks about the the or nature create. of abuse or the definition of abuse. Yeah, which, which is
3: um is going to be a discussion
0: for sure, right. Yeah, I don't know. I one of the things that I noticed is that in the end note the, his answers are numbered, but we don't get answers to all the numbers. Like there isn't a four; it goes right from three right, e right, to right. five. So right. either we're not right. hearing all his responses, or he chose not to respond to some of the questions. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Which I kind of would assume that he just skipped some.
0: That would. I think that would be my assumption too. I don't. I don't know.
1: Either that, or he answered. Maybe he had already answered them in his response or something. I mean, maybe he oh, that got, could you be, you know, maybe he answers yeah. number one and then he gets to number two and realizes that
0: he's already covered. He already yeah. addressed it. He addressed yeah.
1: it. And what's the, what are the dot, dot, dots before the numbered answers in the end zone, end zone, end notes, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about Warren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh,
4: well, in quotes, when you're writing a paper, the ellipsis in front is basically like, and this is just a blank spot. So that I can get to the relevant part of the quote,
2: right? Yeah, so there's we assume a little that something he was.
1: Beforehand. So he wrote something else before mm-hmm. he got down to answering the question. Is that the idea? Maybe. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I think that's the. It's idea. also
1: quite stunning the length to which he goes to answer the questions, which also mm-hmm. made me maybe wonder if it was all in one, all in one letter. It was like he was mm-hmm. writing a long term paper.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, it question. sounds like he had a lot to say. Yeah, uh,
1: but but you can have a lot to say, and and still actually to write it all down and to send it.
0: Yeah, well, well we it's something. Know. It's something that he's apparently used to because he is so well, reluctant to meet people face to face outside of his home. Yeah. Or. One thing that I know this is a very small thing, but uh, the saprogenic greetings letterhead has a uh-huh. little asterisk, and it says it's a proud member of the Acme. Family of Gags and Notions, the E has an accent on it, uh, Acme, oh,
2: uh, implying that it's per- that. perhaps Ooh. a
0: a French conglomerate.
2: Oh. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. oh, I missed that. So did I.
0: I don't know. I guess that continues to point to the Québécois uh, monopoly on novelty items.
1: Right. Yeah. I also, when I first started reading the letters, my first thought was that I couldn't remember who... Marlon Bain was. And I know we've met him.
0: We've heard him. So I had written um,
1: myself a request to remind me about him. But then as I read, it sort of came back that he was he was Orrin's roommate, right? Or good buddy. Good buddy. He friend. was his good yeah. buddy at ETA and lived yeah, with the family with for a wife. while.
2: Mm-hmm. Lived with
1: the family for yeah. a while. But I don't know I can't even remember whether so he shared more details about his childhood and teenage years that I couldn't remember whether I already knew that about him There's, or it's, not it's
0: all new I think the thing that I remember about Marlon Bain from previously in the text is a story that Lyle relates to some other ETA student about Marlon Bain who uh who, he sweated way too much do you remember that like he was just okay. sweating nonstop, stop and he, yes. he became obsessed yeah. with like trying to control that or trying to figure out how to stop it from happening and never came to a Never came to a okay. satisfactory conclusion.
1: So he was a good buddy of Lyle's too. Then
0: he spent some time with he Lyle. Yeah, a lot. And, and and we also <laughs> we also know that he's he has obsessive compulsive disorder and doesn't right. want to leave the home. Oren talked and about him a little more. bit.
1: We oh, well, that's more. right. We heard more about his uh, right. He compared him to Avril, right? Yes. That I. Yeah. So there was that. I don't know if we ever knew why Marlon Bain lived with Oren for a while at home. That was before ETA days.
0: Well, uh, he gets into it a little. I don't he know says that
1: we, yes. He goes into it here, but I don't know that we knew it before. No, but I don't we think we did. did know. We did know that Marlon. At least Oren thought that Marlon really admired Avril, right? Because she appeared to be functioning with this mental illness that she has and she <laughs> but she seemed to be functioning with it. And Marlon sort of saw her as an admirable model. Yeah, like some, of how someone to aspire could, to. Like he too could get through Ooh. his issues of that, that kept him inside and away from others his sort of social phobias and so we did know that but that w- was that Oren describing him
0: yes i believe so
1: because when we read this I think we it was in that, that interview because Oren seemed to m- make Marlon out as someone who very much m- admired Avril. and when we read this we find that that is not exactly well, the Well he at said all. he
0: also said something along the lines of like in his interview with Helen he said something like if you want to know more about the moms you should talk to Marlon Bain because he has mm. a lot of things to say about her particular mental health issues or something like that. Uh-huh. Um that that implied but Would you that, have
1: had that would you have believed though that Oren thought that Marlon would say good things about no, Avril?
0: No because, because, because so? Oren wanted Oren was talking about the ways in which the moms was unwell, and I think his implication oh, okay. with that re- referral was like, here's somebody who can back up my claims that the moms is not as healthy okay. as she appears to be." Okay. yeah.
1: But he did make it sound like Marlon really admired her, right? I'm not, I'm not misremembering. I don't that. remember
0: exactly. I... I, I think he made it sound like they had um, a complex relationship.
1: I thought it was so fascinating, too, because I mean, we almost immediately get to the end note. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, mm-hmm. and the first information that we have is that I find it so interesting to see peaks into the incandenza family or really to anybody before ETA, which also coincided with subsidized time. Is that right? Am I remembering that uh, right? Pretty closely, the yeah. The start of kind of around the same time. Mm-hmm. This glimpse into life in the Incandenza family before ETA existed, mm-hmm. and they were tennis-obsessed then, and Oren right. was playing, and which is how he met Marlon, because they were mm-hmm. both up-and-coming young players when they were 10 years old and yeah. would... And their mothers knew each other because they would see each other at the tennis matches, right?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Also interesting to note just about Oren, it's hard to uh, glean really like what feels like accurate information about Oren anywhere.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like everything we know about Oren seems to be, you kind of take it, I kind of take it all with a grain of salt because whoever it is that's talking about him, whether it's Oren himself or others, I'm not sure that... I'm not sure that you get the straight story on him usually, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I, so I thought it was interesting that Marlon said that, that he and Oren were like inseparable. I mean, so Marlon lived with the family for a while until, apparently until ETA was established and then he and Oren were at school together, but that they were inseparable until, until they were about 15 when Marlon got good enough that he started beating Oren regularly Mm-hmm. in tennis and that what did he say he said orin took it hard
0: yeah he said we were never inseparable again
1: right Oren took it really hard that he was being beaten mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it's here we learn the connection to lateral alice moore that marlin's parents were killed uh on the road when uh alice i assume alice moore's uh radio traffic helicopter crashed oh. down on them
2: I didn't.
1: I didn't. None of that occurred to me. Isn't that that funny? Yeah, that went right over my head. How could that not occur to me? I mean, that's such a. (laughs) Wow.
0: I mean, it's also possible that in this universe, uh, traffic helicopter crashes are a common occurrence, in which case it might not be Alice Moore's helicopter. Oh,
2: no.
1: I bet if we went back and looked at the description of that. I think the timelines match up. I think if we went back and looked at the exact description of that, she may have even mentioned that mm. innocent people were killed on the ground. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Boy, this was sure a juicy end note, wasn't it? It
0: was. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot. it's yeah. hard
1: to know. It's hard to even know what to what to say about all of it. There's so much. Yeah. Marlon's talk about he and Oren with their substance abuse substance use issues. Mm -hmm. while they were at ETA, Mm -hmm. and their different sort of response to it. He claims that he has lasting disabilities that were due to that drug use Yeah, when he was at ETA, Uh, and perhaps, well, no, he can't blame his, he can't really blame his, like, social phobias on it, because he had those before, right? Or not. Did he? Well, maybe he didn't. I don't know that he did.
0: I think I I, sure. I I think a lot of this could also be attributed to the loss of his parents at a young age um, True. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe the drug use compounded that that grief and, and caused some uh-huh. of these issues. Just in a very quick Google search, uh, it does seem that OCD or OCD like symptoms can be caused by some drug use trauma oh, um, huh.
2: uh-huh. uh, and,
0: and that symptoms can. Uh, Symptoms that are triggered by exposure to a drug or medication or withdrawal from that substance will sometimes go away spontaneously, but may also persist.
1: Huh. Interesting. There's also, I found a, just a little thing that I researched a bit, and now I can't find where it was mentioned. There was a reference to Swinburne? Swinburne?
0: It, it's like Swinburne sat down on his soul's darkest night and designed an organized sport. He's talking about football, the crunching football, ballet right. of repressed oh, homoeroticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I, I looked up Swinburne,
0: mm-hmm. yeah?
1: who uh, was a British poet, playwright, novelist, lived 1837 to 1909. This is according to Wikipedia, of course.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, and that he wrote about many taboo topics like uh, lesbianism, cannibalism, sadomasochism, anti-theism, mm. which fits the reference, so makes, I guess it was Swinburne. Makes the me right want
2: to read Swinburne. him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, and it was interesting. It was interesting for uh, how Marlon describes uh, football and kind mm-hmm. of his disdain for Oren, really. Yeah. Like I guess they're still in, are they still friends? Are they in contact I with don't, each other I don't, or not?
0: If they're in touch with each other, it sounds like they don't keep in touch very closely.
1: Because, yeah, he sounds yeah. pretty scornful of, you know, he says that Marlon left ETA at 17 before he graduated. And mm-hmm. and that we, we heard that, I guess. We know his history and how he started his greeting card company, maybe, do we? Yeah. I think. I think Which so. I can't remember exactly either how that happened, but that Oren says that football is a ritualized substitute for armed conflict, but Marlon disagrees and says it's a ballet of repressed homoeroticism, which I thought was, that Mm -hmm. was all an interesting section there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Why people play football and why do any of us watch it? Those of us who watch football, which let Mm -hmm. me say are not many of us (laughs) in this podcast, but one of us at least. And I thought it was interesting, his reason for saying that it was not, it's not like armed conflict. He said, armed conflict is plenty ritualized on its own. And since we have real armed conflict, there is no need or purpose for a substitute.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I kind of like that because you do hear that often, that sports in general Professional sports are sort of sort of a replacement for armed conflict, so people can take sides and cheer on their 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 people
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, without anyone usually getting killed in the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was it. That was probably a valid point that it's not so much that because there's plenty of armed conflict going on to make that unnecessary. but so that was that was the number one question, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Where he's kind of talking about his relationship to Oren, I guess. Was that the question? Can you, can you deduce what the questions were to these answers? Like, what do you think was the question for number one?
0: That's a good question.
1: How
4: did you know Oren in Candenza? Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: And are you still friends? Are you still are you in still In contact. Friends? Maybe. Are mm-hmm. you still in contact?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here, I have. This is a little bit of a detour, but I just tracked down the first mm-hmm. reference to Marlon Bain that I can find in the book.
1: Okay.
2: Okay. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, Lyle, down in the in the dark interdependence day weight room, sometimes recalls an ETA player from several years back, whose first name was Marlon and whose last name Lyle never, to his knowledge, learned. The thing about this funny. Marlon was that he was always mm-hmm. wet. Uh, Oren's Academy doubles partner.
1: Oh, okay. That's it wasn't right. exactly
0: sweat because you could lick it off the forehead and more beads instantly replaced what you'd taken. None of real sweat's frustratingly gradual accretion. Uh-huh. There were powders and pills and electrical appliques and still this marlin dripped and shone. Uh, the kid wrote accomplished juvenile verses about the dry, clean boy inside struggling to break the soggy surface. He shared extensively oh. with Lyle. He confessed to Lyle one night in the quiet weight room that he'd gone in for high-level athletics, mostly to have an excuse of some sort for being as wet as he was. It always looked like Marlon had been rained on, but it wasn't rain. It's like he leaked. It had been a tormenting, but also in certain ways halcyon few years in the past, a tormentingly unspecific hope in the air. Lyle had told this boy everything he had to tell.
1: Oh, Right. Oh, that was the mysterious line.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: Lyle had told this boy everything he had to tell. Right. I mean, that's that's quite a statement because mm-hmm. Lyle Ooh. apparently knows a lot. Right. Lyle Ooh. has a lot to tell. And he told Marlon everything? hmm What does he mean by that?
0: I Yeah, I don't I know. I remember we being still kind of stunned
1: by... I remember being stunned by that statement. <laughs> how did his greeting card company start? I'm sorry, Kathy. I was looking for that this, and I
0: and I don't know if we know exactly. I, I think we just know that oh. he has the greeting card company now and that it's made him fabulously wealthy. Uh beyond that I'm not sure.
1: We don't know how that came about. We I, didn't just, I felt like we knew that. It's but, entirely but possible that we know,
0: but I can't find it in my in my hurried okay. searching right now.
1: Okay. Oh, okay I have to say interject here that I'm afraid to search for back references mm-hmm. to people and things that have happened because I'm afraid I'll get spoilers that pop right. up. so yeah. I don't do it. it's,
0: it.'s one so, of the one of the advantages of having the ebook version is that I can just type it in and see where it shows up in the text.
1: Uh-huh, up mm-hmm. to where nice. we've read. So we think that was the question was just really why do, how do you know Oren?
0: Yeah, I think so. And are you
1: still yeah. in contact?:
0: Right. mm hmm
4: I think based on his stream of consciousness type of answers, it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily matter what the questions were originally because he's going to go so far afield yeah. in answering them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because we don't get any answers to question two, or we don't, we don't get to read right. those if there are any. Right. Um, right. Maybe, and,
1: but maybe question two was, are you still in contact with yeah, him? Yeah,
0: that could be. Then he talks some about how he doesn't really know the circumstances of James O's suicide.
1: So, do you believe that that question was do you, what he knows about James's well? Suicide? So this, this is do the think, this is, were, do you think it was that blunt?
0: This is the multi part question. Yeah, uh-huh. this is if we're going by the q q q q q in the body of the letter. There's mm-hmm. question one. There's question two. There's question three, which contains one two three four five subparts, The second subpart of which also contains a sub part. Uh, she's in crackers. But we don't we don't know exactly.
1: In general, question three must have been about what I think it's uh, he in general of, what he knows about the family,
0: the parents, or what specifically, he
2: knows about James
3: O, I think, or really even just um, James O, specifically,
0: just James O, specifically, James yeah, o. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He says he was working on a whole new genre of film cartridge that Orin at the time claimed was driving Dr. Inc. insane.
2: We
1: should remember too that Helen Steepley's letter to Marlon said that she is doing a profile of the incandenza family and its accomplishments in sports and independent film
0: yes Mm -hmm. circa
1: metropolitan boston past and present so i guess that would make i was thinking why would he answer all these personal questions right but that that gives her gives her some an excuse to
0: ask some more Mm broad-reaching questions about the family right Mm -hmm. there's also an illusion here in in three e his answer to three e that
1: was a very confusing thing the three e part i thought
0: well so he's talking about how the relationship between Orin and Joel ended i think well was he mm.
1: that's what i thought when i started reading it but then at the end i thought he meant avril and james o
0: yeah, that's true. Although we, we don't have clear about it. I, we know that their relationship had problems and that they were very distant from one another. But we I it would be the first that we were hearing of it if they had separated before his death.
2: But
1: it was. Well, I don't know.
0: He does mention a thing here. He says some incident occurred in the Incandenza's Volvo involving one right. of the windows in a word all i am given is that o reports that in the p- days prior to in- dr incandenza's failure to say a so-called word appeared on a fogged window of mrs ink's pale yellow volvo um,
4: right we heard about that earlier yeah
0: that's in endnote 80 so just to remind you endnote 80 it says apparently avril had been with someone Oren would not say who or whether he knew who in the volvo and had idly and disastrously whether with unconscious intent or not and presumably post-coitally idly written the person's first name in the steam of the steamed-up car window, which name had disappeared with the steam, but had reappeared the next time the window had steamed up, which had been when James mm. had been driving to his this very brownstone to shoot Joelle in the weird, wobble-lensed maternal I'm-so-terribly-sorry monologue scene of the last thing he'd done. Hmm. Which is what leads James O. to decide to leave Joelle An absurd and addiction enabling annuity, which Avril had never contested.
1: I still feel so confused about it. This separation that's referred to—I also thought maybe it was the separation of Joel and Oren.
0: That's what I thought.
1: Right, and then it's not the creative separation
4: between James O and Joel.
1: Right. Then I thought maybe that, and then I thought Avril and James O. I don't know. I don't Boulder think it was Avril and James O, though.
0: No, I don't know that it matters specifically which two people we're talking about here, because we know that there's enormous fallout from all of these things, and like a bunch of relationships suffered from kind of this moment in mm-hmm. these people's lives.
1: Marlon referred to to Joelle as Joe Ellen,
0: right? He starts, which is odd. He starts. It's yeah. like,
1: but but he that happens later on as he goes farther along in question answering, he keeps calling helen by D- different, different names different things too. he calls
0: her miss steeples um
1: right at least that's yeah, close
4: just, though
3: yeah it gets progressively worse and worse
0: mrs stark saddle yeah yeah, yeah it with- gets
1: crazier and crazier
0: finally miss bainbridge yep not yeah. even close <laughs> Right.
1: but why
2: i don't know <laughs>
0: It's yeah, entirely possible that, that he's doing it on purpose. Mm.
1: Here's the thing that made me wonder if this is all in one response. It's at the beginning of number five. Mm. The veiled warning typo you refer to in my postal response to you is simply that you have to take what Oren says in a fairly high sodium way.
4: Yeah. Which I love. But I you. It's to phrase.
2: So
1: does mm-hmm. that? Imp- isn't that saying that he has responded to him already? And what's with the um, veiled warning? So she's we didn't referring that to a warning
0: in, uh, in his response.
1: Response. Yeah, to her, yeah,
0: which so, would mean so. so, w- so, would so mean she's that he was. So he's saying that she says there's a veiled warning in his response to her first letter, which is simply fire away.
2: Oh. Mm.
1: Hmm. But when would
0: cuz then she writes a letter back to him with these questions. So she could she could that, have said in that letter something something your veiled warning here please answer these questions.
1: But wouldn't that come before the the q q q q, q wouldn't that wouldn't that show up in that letter if she had said? Or it other could be embedded in
0: one of the questions. Or I—I oh, I mean, I don't know. Okay. It's enti- It's possible. There's letters back and forth. I—I honestly okay. don't know what difference it makes whether this is in one letter or multiple letters.
1: Hmm. Okay. So number five is is intriguing, of course, because
0: mm-hmm. it, it
1: goes into this whole question about pathological liars
0: mm-hmm. and like sincerity uh, with a motive.
1: Sincerity with oh, a motive God, yeah. is different than pathological lies? But somehow. it's not better
0: than. It's you're telling the no, truth it's but it's not different. but but not for right. noble reasons. He talks a little bit about Oren's occasional similarities to CT. Right. Except that he's like taking CT's what does he say pathological openness? And and kind of weaponizing it, like weaponizing a falsified version of it to pick up women,
1: mm-hmm. right? Like he says, doesn't he say that Charles Tavis is
0: is uh, actually the most pathologically open, open. and the you can see open. how how unseductive he is compared to Oren's right fake openness that is seductive. And Marlon
1: says Oren is the least open. Yeah, man, I know. Mm-hmm. What is the reference for Charles? Charles in quotation marks gretel the cross-section dairy cow
0: tavis (laughs) yeah oh god yeah i don't so i i looked up i don't think gretel the cross-section dairy cow is a real thing at least based on my googling
4: Mm -hmm.
0: beyond that i don't know it's
3: just a non-sequitur
0: it like that's a a name that the eta kids called him when marlin was at eta yeah it's
1: such a weird thing to call him Mm-hmm. Why? Except Why? that he's like,
0: he's like opened up so you can see all his insides. <laughs> it's like the extreme version of wearing your heart on your sleeve. Gross. Like wear, le- wearing yeah. all your internal organs on the outside. Oh,
1: oh, okay.
0: He says Orin has come to, com- to regard the truth as constructed instead of reported.
1: That made mm-hmm. me think of our president. Because <laughs> I always wonder about our, our current political situation and wonder if our president who tweets all these ridiculous things and says all these, to me, obviously ridiculous things and just lies, like yeah. the bigger the better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder, does he believe them or is he aware that it's all a lie? Usually I assume, of course he is. Of course it's just a it's just a Oh, show. I, think he, I think
0: he believes But them. then
1: sometimes I, th- I wonder, does he actually believe them? And that would kind of come to this whole idea that the truth is constructed.
0: I think there's a political attitude in America right now. And there has been it, Donald Trump is not the first person to do this. Like this is something that's been going on for decades, right, right, at, at least. Right. Uh, you know, Fox mm-hmm. News built their business model around it. Um, mm-hmm. That that if you want to believe something, you can just convince yourself that it's true and then it becomes true.
1: And then you Very say nice. it as it is true, as if it is truth. And then others believe you. Mm-hmm. it's a different take on what truth is
0: yeah mm-hmm. so he says uh here he studied for almost 18 years at the feet of the most consummate mind fucker i've ever met mm-hmm. so he says defining yourself in opposition to something is still being anaclitic on that thing isn't it so there there's a Vocabulary word. Yeah, I was going to look it up and then I didn't. uh, It's an adjective denoting a person whose choice of love interest arises from the dependence of the libido on another instinct, is the like Hmm. psychiatric term. A more simple definition I found was that it's pertaining to an acute emotional dependence on another person or persons. Ah. So Marlon is saying, like, Oren has spent his entire life trying to be the opposite of avril or talk just obsessed with with how much he hates avril that his entire self-image is avril i think think it's avril yeah yeah Um, and that his obsession with this hatred has has meant that he will never be free of her because his entire self-image is built around his opposition to her yep
1: And they also said, men, men who believe they hate what they really fear they need are of limited interest, I find,
0: mm-hmm.
2: he says. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I thought this was a particularly depressing chunk yeah. mm-hmm. because it, it goes along with my belief that most of the main characters in these books, in this book, have suffered childhood abuse at the hands yeah. of their parents in all different mm-hmm. ways, mm-hmm. like in all ways imaginable. And this is perhaps the most horrifying in a way, because it's like dressed up in good parenting clothes. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: But it kind of goes back to that whole thing about it seems like even whether the abuse is really psychologically complicated, like it seems to be in Avril's case. And whether it's intentional or not, it it has happened with her kids, no matter what she intended in this case, as well as in the more horrific, obviously awful things Mm -hmm. that have happened to the kid version of the adults in this book. And I've said it before that that phenomena where kids are where abused kids still love their parents
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: like a lot. And that that perhaps is the most damaging piece of the abuse, because if they could hate them and see them as people who ruined their childhood and made them, you know, unreasonably miserable, if they could think of them that way, they'd probably have more of a chance of healing those scars than they do when they think of them lovingly. Yeah. Avril was and still is really devastating to her children. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and, and particularly to Orin. Like, I think that Hal has a different set of issues with Avril. Like, his relationship with her is very different from Orin's relationship with her.
3: Yeah, and same with Mario.
0: Yeah. It seems like the crux of the dysfunction between Avril and Orin is that she couldn't bring herself to believe that one of her children would lie to her uh, which mm-hmm. is something that right. Marlin goes into in pretty explicit detail here this thing that Oren is a really bad liar right. Mm-hmm but that when and we go to
1: the part that i couldn't read again
0: yeah yeah oh boy there's a thing here first he tells this story about the two of them smoking marijuana and leaving orin's right. brothers unattended mm-hmm. and how when confronted with this lie that he was telling she just ignored it and she treated an exploded lie as an insoluble cosmic mystery instead of an exploded lie
3: yeah and yeah. it wasn't really even a lie at the end he just said i have no response to that
0: yeah, right. which
3: isn't a lie so much as just saying that or revealing that you've had a lot.
1: Yep. Yeah, Avril is such a mystery to me because so she is in her own way a really bad mother.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Um, but is it like when she can't believe that her kids are lying? Mm-hmm. Is it because she doesn't want to face the fact that she could have ra- that she herself could have raised liars? is it a reflection on herself or is she just really gullible
0: no it's not that it's not that
1: do we know that she's not just gullible
0: according to marlon i think he's pretty unambiguous that he thinks it's because of her own self-image that she can't countenance the idea that she would raise a child who would lie to her and so she has Mm. to it's a referendum on her parenting it's not a referendum on orin in any way and he he kind of equates it to like Imagine being raised by a parent who's so always on the verge of suicidal depression that any resistance to them makes them sit in bed for a week staring at a revolver. Like, it's the same kind of thing.
4: Which reminded me a lot of how we talked about Avril and the emotional Russian roulette.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm.
4: That was in the section where she was talking to Hal and... She was pretending not to know a word, and he was letting her pretend. Right. right. But I also, that section about staring at the revolver, I don't know why, but I immediately started thinking more of James O. Mm -hmm. Uh But now that we're talking about it in context, it definitely is most likely Avril, but could probably fit James O as well.
0: Right.
1: We also hear that Avril and Mario were driving to Hal's TENS match and had the foreign-looking monolial internet... Who we can assume uh,
0: is the medical attache?
1: Right, is that the medical attache? And who Avril described as a dear and cherished friend.
0: Yeah, this is the thing that the conversationalist James O insinuates right. that avril is having an affair with this middle eastern medical attache do
1: we believe that it was no accident that he received the cartridge the entertainment cartridge that it was I, don't know. Dun, dun, dun.
0: I still <laughs> yeah. don't understand the mechanism by which they're being sent out i think it's possible that he right. was targeted specifically uh-huh.
1: mm. that was right before the horrible incident with the dog yeah, yeah. I, I would prefer in to my skip- notes that i thought there should be warnings <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. exactly.
1: Like,
3: warning. Yeah, Especially here. Like this was just unexpected, horrible, right.
2: devastating. Yeah.
0: Just- so so let's and let's not talk about illusion. it. let we've not, had some allusion yeah. to
1: it before, haven't we? Some incident.
0: Let's not talk about it in detail. Let's just say yeah. that due to a careless accident uh, uh-huh. on Oren's part, the family dog dies. Right. Well, yeah. This is the true. The
1: crux of it. This yeah, is the,
0: the, the, the real mm-hmm. depth of like the sickness or the creepiness. I think Marlon calls it creepy. That right.
1: There's something creepy and not right mm-hmm. about Avril as a mother.
0: After the accident. She mourned S. Johnson's death very deeply, but also the other half of her emotional energies went into being overly solicitous and polite toward Oren, basically making the thousands of little gestures by which the technically stellar parent can make her child feel particularly valued, all out of concern that Oren in no way thinks she resented him for S. Johnson's death or blamed him or loved him in less in any way because of the whole incident. Right. The love and support bombardment increased, and this was coupled with elaborate machinations to keep the mourning and funeral arrangements and moments of wistful dog remembrance hidden from him. Mrs. Ink became even more cheerful and loquacious and witty and intimate and benign, even suggesting in oblique ways that life was now somehow suddenly better without the dog. Gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he goes on and asks who can define abuse.
0: Right. Yes, which is,
1: is it a sign of abuse if a mother produces a child who believes not that he is innately beautiful and lovable and deserving of magnificent maternal treatment, but that he is a hideously unlovable child who somehow lucked into having a magnificent mother?
0: Yeah, he says the ambiguity of the abuse becomes part of the abuse.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm kind of leaning towards yes, it is abuse. But mm-hmm. also, Agreed. so much of this is a lot of ideas of toxic masculinity as well. Yeah, uh, mm. which is a learned behavior, and yeah,
1: that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. We we also learn get more details of Oren's dream about his mother's head attached to his. Oh, right.
0: Well, yeah. well, we talk yeah. about Marlon talks about his impression of Avril that he used to do at the academy. What he'll do is assume an enormous, warm, and loving smile and move steadily toward you until he is in so close that his face is spread up flat against your own face and your breaths mingle.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And it says, which is is worse, the smothering proximity or the unimpeachable love and warmth? Right. But he does have that dream too, right? He
0: does. It's the same thing. This is
1: the first that we've heard that he's done impression of it. Right. But he does have the nightmare. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Wait, we isn't that? Met... I thought that was Hal's nightmare.
0: No, that's Oren. Hal's nightmare is the face in the floor.
4: Yep. I thought, but there was also I it a nightmare was Hal's where because it was weird that he was wearing a football
1: helmet. We,
0: we yeah, it's Oren. We we've had this discussion many times okay. before. I was right. going to okay. say,
1: I think we had the, I think we had this conversation because I too thought it was Hal. Mm. Uh, it was Hal's dream, but then. I think someone convinced me that it was actually Orin's.
0: It's not and immediately I don't clear. I not how he got there, but it's not immediately clear whose it is. But it eventually establishes pretty unambiguously that it's Orin's nightmare. Okay.
1: It's also interesting that Marlin says at some point here that he believes Avril was badly abused as a child, which we've had other he references does. to, I think, too. Have that we that something bad happened to her when she was a child?
0: I, I mean, i I would in believe what it.
1: context I, that was, but
0: I, I feel like we have very little information about her childhood, um except that her father some, was a potato baron. and um, and
1: we had some, though, allusion to the fact that she was abused that something that some bad things happened to her as a child.
0: I would believe it. Uh, yeah, I think
1: someone mentioned it somehow in passing. They also compare her to a creepy philanthropist. Right. Who, you know, who, looks clearly... on the outside so kind and generous, but who needs the horrible conditions that he's helping to alleviate, needs them to persist so that he can continue to help alleviating them. Mm-hmm. Because if they went away, then yeah. he would lose his stage for showing how wonderful he is.
3: Right. It is his own virtue he prizes instead of the ends to which the virtue is ostensibly directed. And before we get all of that, um, on uh, 1051, we get, uh, why is this? Why do so many parents who seem relentlessly bent on producing children who feel they are good persons deserving of love produce children who grow up to feel they are hideous persons not deserving of love, et cetera, et cetera. Um, To which I answered that question, because the human mind is flawed and people are flawed and diseases like depression don't make sense. Um, yeah. Right, you, right. You kind of goes on in this um on the same page uh speaking about Avril and everything and basically in the end it's not necessarily Avril or Orin producing a problem. It's that each of them are flawed people. That Avril's problem is being seen as unsupportive and it's mixed with Orin's problem with the emotional connection. And then both are just making uh decisions based on these flaws, just digging yeah. themselves deeper and
0: deeper their particular flaws they like amplify each other's flaws in this really awful way that just makes them right. kind of toxic to one another
3: yeah, uh, yeah you okay. get into this echo chamber and in the end the only conclusion is that both need therapy yeah yes I found this section particularly interesting, especially in regards to therapy, because so far the only uh, reference to therapy and, you know, psychological issues and everything that we've had, or at least the biggest reference, is in the school counselor at ETA, who fits into this 1990s idea of therapy, where it's kind of just not that
0: useful. Which is the same attitude that Hal has to the grief counselor.
4: Right.
3: Yeah, but I feel like this makes the... Opposite point, where both of these people need therapy and need to go and work out their issues, but they're not going to, and it's only making their lives worse. Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly sure if this point is intended uh, in the text, or if it is just something that I'm pulling from it through my own
1: work with therapy. Yeah, it is interesting. We have all these characters in this book who obviously have had all kinds of psychological traumas in their life, in their lives. Mm-hmm. And we don't really have any good examples of them getting any kind of intervention that was, that actually seemed helpful to them, which is really sad when you think. Yeah, of, the best I mean, intervention Kate Gompert, there is. I guess, Kate Gompert, right. I guess, had the best from the resident yeah. at the psychiatric hospital, but nobody else really, it all seems so futile. Mm-hmm. Because they seem Mm. so, well, maybe that's not entirely true because some of the interactions at the AA meetings and NA meetings seem kind of, I mean, you do get the, in, in some of those cases, you do get the idea that there is helpful intervention.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that too.
1: Even sometimes when the person that needs the intervention is not really very open to it, it still can be useful. Mm-hmm. And therapeutic, even when they aren't very open to it. But that's definitely more of a sort of group of individuals who are struggling helping each other instead of having a trained professional being useful in their recovery or their figuring out how to lead a life. So it is is—it yeah. is a really pretty depressing sort of vision of the benefits of therapy. Therapeutic yeah. interventions. Like, if anyone needed family counseling, it was the Mm-hmm. And you'd think that they, of all people, would have been open to it because they were, you know, they were academics, they were educated people. You'd think that they would be able to imagine a good therapist could help them with some of their issues. But that.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. But if, I mean, if both Avril and James O came from abusive families and like a long lineage of abuse, they might not be able to even imagine that something better is possible. Right. Mm.
1: I also have to say that this section about Avril and about parenting and abuse, it was all fairly discouraging to me. I'm the only one of us here who is a parent.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And you know, I think that parenting is such an imperfect thing. Mm -hmm. And I tend to think that most parents, maybe even all parents, even those who are pretty obviously abusive, that most parents want good things for their kids and Mm -hmm. most parents want to provide good parenting. And I also think that every single person falls short and that Mm -hmm. we fail our kids at certain times, and you hope that in the end, the failures are less than the good things. But I, it was kind of a discouraging section to read, honestly. Oh, yeah. And it makes me, it really, I, I find myself really intrigued by Avril and really wondering about her because, like, it's its hard for me to figure out her motives and her level of self-awareness as a parent. and. In a way, she seems like she's like doing the best she can, like if she was abused as a child Mm -hmm. and yet she's read and learned and she's an educated person and she probably has read and read and read about what a good parent does and what a good parent looks like. And so in a way, I think that she all along was trying desperately to follow those guidelines of what a good parent does. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I think of her as kind of a diabolical personality who was willing to sacrifice her own children for positive feelings about herself.
2: Mm -hmm. And yet, on
1: the other hand, I think that she was doing as well as she could possibly do, Mm -hmm. especially if you think that she suffered abuse as a child herself and didn't have... And had horrible parenting models, and she's trying to choose a better model even yeah. with all the kind of psychological fallout from her bad childhood, that she's trying to change things and turn things around for her family. So I, it's just hard to know how to look at her, whether she's a really terrible person or whether she is a tragic figure, I guess.
0: I see her as a tragic yeah. figure. I th- And I do, I, I think that she's probably dealing with mental illness, you know, and she's right Mm -hmm. like the the reason that she's viewed so uncharitably is because she hides her struggle so well, you know? There's I think one of the more perceptive things that I've heard said about her is in this end note where Marlon is talking about how uh Mrs. Inc. had to go off and overfunction somewhere. Like that's her coping Mm -hmm. mechanism for for this darkness that's inside her. And you know i i think that there's there's credit due for the fact that she's trying but you know he also gets at this thing that like she might be trying to do the wrong thing or trying for the wrong reasons that she's more interested in feeling like a good parent than actually being one
2: yeah right
0: but it's tough it I, up the I agree like of, of, like what's, what's the difference the... between
1: feeling like a good parent and being one i yeah. mean it's hard yeah. if you're the parent how do you know?
0: Well, it's, I mean it's the same whether as whether you're with,
1: actually being a good parent or you feel like you're being a good parent. It, it's, it's, it's the same as line. with any with
0: any delusional behavior like right. You know, how do how do you know whether the thing you're feeling is is true or not? And so yeah, like there there needed to be an intervention here, but one of the prob I think one of the problems this family has is that they are so tight-knit and insular that it's tough for anyone else to to see in Uh, Or to know them well enough to intervene. Mm -hmm.
1: And the only ones that know them well enough, like, say, Marlon Bain, who lived with them, who Mm -hmm. lived in their household for years and probably has better insights than most.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: He was a kid and he was a traumatized kid and he can't do anything.
0: And I think part of me wants to kind of blame Oren for some of this stuff. Like, based on the way that Avril behaves, I have to assume she would have been open to one of her kids saying, like... This isn't helpful. You're not. You're not treating this the right way. Um, and it could have. It could have. You can't. But you yeah, can't blame you can't. The
1: kids, you can't blame it, the kids.
0: Yeah. It, you can't. Except the, you
1: can't put it on Orin's shoulders. It, I don't. Except think that you
0: the, the, the the only thing I find fault with is that I th- I think it was a good idea for Orin to get away from her. Like he seems to be a happier person when he's not living near her. Um. But he he let he let that hatred fester for so long. And like there was never that we know of. There was never a point before that where he said to her, like. Something needs to change. It seems like there was uh, just just. Well,
1: but but he did. He did by his actions, which is Mm. more of a kid thing. Yeah, that's true. With the dog incident and the substance abuse incidents and right under her nose. And in mm. the not watching the little brothers incident. It's like yeah. a kid is not gonna go to his mother and say, Things are really bad here. You're not seeing things as they are. And you're yeah, it's true. he's not gonna do that. He's just gonna try to do something so outrageous. But by the time he's an adult to respond. Yeah, but by the time he's an adult, I don't think it's all yeah, children, it's all said and done. Adult at that point. children Whoa. who have suffered abuse, I don't think that a twenty-year-old adult child at that point would say to their parent, "You know, you're you're a mess, and you need to change things." I don't. I don't think that would happen. I think, I think his really blatantly outrageous behaviors, if that didn't cause her to reevaluate how she was dealing with her kids, if that didn't do it, then you know, it's not really his problem. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's his problem that he has to live with and deal with, but it's not his problem to fix his mother
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah,
1: this is part of the problem for kids who have lived with abuse is to really truly believe that it's not their problem to fix yeah. their parent,
0: yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the one of the problem <laughs> the real problem here is that it's not anyone's problem, really. The only person whose problem it could have been to resolve some of these things is James O. And he's, right. he's equally a mess. You know, he's just completely right. checked out of right. his relationships and his family and, and doesn't think about right. them at all, really.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what I was saying. That, you know, it's nobody's problem. It's everybody being flawed and human and just acting on these flaws. Mm mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it all just spirals and echoes.
1: Back to the issue of every parent having their doing things wrong, it does make me feel a little sorry and uncomfortable for Avril that Marlon Bain, who lived with them for, and I can't remember how many years, it must have been a couple years. A couple right? years,
0: I think, yeah. At mm-hmm. least a couple yeah.
1: years. If you had someone outside of your family live with your family for a couple years, what would they say about your family? <laughs> I mean, obviously, every family has things that would be reported as really dysfunctional. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I worry about what my children would say about me and my failings <laughs> as a parent. I,
0: I, w- <laughs> I would say but that. But I don't
1: have... want to know them. I don't want to know those things, really. Mm-hmm. But I, but you know, I'm sure they would have things to say
0: uh, about. My well, my, un, my unsatisfying answer is that I can't think of any failings you've had as a parent. <laughs>
4: I think (laughs) you're in a weird situation where you kind of have to say that because you're doing it for a recording. Oh, well. Uh, This is for posterity.
0: (laughs) I suppose. I don't know. I I think that you have been an excellent parent and continue to be an excellent parent.
1: Have tried hard, at least. Have tried hard for the right reasons. And,
0: and And have, like, accomplished excellent parentage, uh...
1: I have terrific children, so I have to think that I at least didn't damage them so much that I ruined them for life. Yeah. But, so I yes,
0: guess there's I, that. I'm, I'm but, pleased. I'm pleased to announce the world that my mother hasn't ruined me.
4: <laughs> yeah. it, there's still time. <laughs> there's
0: still time. Yeah. Right. I'm, yeah, now, I'm still now's when the switch that. flips. You're gonna sabotage and me.
1: It, <laughs> and it's also sobering because I know. I think I brought this up before too that I. I have known people who are the most wonderful people and seemingly most excellent parents that there could ever be whose children end up with lives that are a total wreck. And so Mm. there's a certain amount of luck or something or something karmic or so i don't know i don't know so so i i just goes back to me feeling sorry for avril because for if she had perhaps had children who were more happy-go-lucky kind of nothing really bothers them kind of kids Mm -hmm. things could have turned out much differently too just if their personalities have been had been different right or or if Orin hadn't had these two much younger brothers Or if Oren's brothers had been not so much younger than him and Mm -hmm. they had grown up more as a team of brothers instead of him as the older one and then the others as the little the little. I don't know. I mean, there are so many things that affect how a person's life turns out and how
0: a Mm -hmm. person's
1: uh, personality develops and everything that.
0: Yeah, and, and you Avril, can see those Avril. things with hindsight, but there's no way that Avril could have known any of these things at the time. Like right. If she right. had known ways to improve Oren's childhood, she definitely would have done them.
1: You would think so, even if her motive was just to make herself look like a better mother. She still right. would have done them.
0: Right.
3: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Would it If have... one of the kids did actually come to Avril and say, you know, your behavior is not helping – um, right. It's actually making things worse. Afro would have changed her behavior. It would have right. been, happened selfishly, but she still would have changed her behavior.
1: Right. And does it matter? How much does the motive matter? Like we're talking about parenting, but yeah. with everything, if if you're trying to be the best you can be in spite of yourself and all the flaws that you have, is that a terrible motive? And does it automatically doom the results?
2: You know what I, I mean? Like if she is determined
1: themselves. to be a good mother because mm-hmm. she wants people to look at her and see her as a good mother, does that necessarily doom her relationship with her kids and doom yeah, the ability I, I, I of her boys think to grow up and it, be happy?
0: I don't think that on its own dooms the relationship, but it does make it more precarious. You know, like, like, and that I think is the, the, the thing that I take away from this accounting of Oren's childhood and his relationship with his mother is that there's all these things that compounded to make it less and less likely that that it was all going to turn out okay.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Just by a stroke of luck, these things could have gone the other way and he could have been a happy child who loves his mother. Um, right. But they didn't because there, was so, there were all these things kind of working against that outcome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At some
1: point it says that. Like, the problem is that, that she was working so hard to make Oren feel valuable. In, in her attempt to make him feel valuable, she never was able to make him feel valued. Right. So something can be valuable without being valued.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So interesting. This was all very psychologically <laughs> complex. Uh, end
2: note really <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and it all feels really personal and i thought it felt kind of creepy that marlon bain was telling helen steeply all this stuff
3: yeah yeah
1: because if for instance you assume that the first question was how did you know how do you know oran incandenza and are you still in touch with him that he would say you know we played tennis together when we were little kids I lived with the Incandenzas for a while after my parents died. Uh, we went to school together and were doubles partners. And we, you know, once we hit, once we were like fifteen or so, we we kind of drifted apart, and we really don't talk very often now. I mean, that would be an answer. Well, but okay, he goes on but... and on and on and on. Or what do you? What did did you know the Incandenzas? You'd say. Well, Avril was, you know, she was really intense person and she didn't like to go out, but she, you know, blah, blah, blah. And James O was, oddly enough, in fact, come to think of it, he says almost nothing about James O, who is actually. Yeah.
0: He had very little to do with James O, it sounds like. So Helen yeah.
1: Helen wanted to know more about their accomplishments in. Independent film, and he really yeah. doesn't say much at all about James Yeah, well, o, I right? also
3: feel like, I mean, Steeply's goal isn't with James O, it's with Avril. That Steeply, you know, why Steeply is doing this and everything is to figure out if Avril is working for the Quebecois separatists. Is that?
1: I... But also to, well, also though, to see if James O developed the entertainment and is use, and somehow planned to use it. Well, we already know the he developed thing. the
4: entertainment.
1: But did he plan to use it as a did, right. he, did he develop it as a weapon? It? Oh. Or was it Does that or, matter? Or was it
0: But but also like well, what what can we what can we learn about the production process like can we find these these component parts before they're assembled and use those to learn more about the entertainment to either use it, it as does, a weapon ourselves or to to cure those does, who are affected by yeah. it? Yeah.
1: It does mm-hmm. kind of matter if he if he developed it to use it as a weapon, you could learn what he did to make it to weaponize his film. <laughs> you know, if it was just a random thing that happens to people that watch it, then it's less helpful because then then figuring out how to combat it feels much more random and uncontrolled.
2: But this also feels a lot like the, the to, sort of.
0: General uh, intelligence gathering that intelligence services do a lot of, where they're like they're not necessarily sure where any of this information is going to lead, but they want to collect it all in one place so that they can have analysts look at it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but you would assume that say they're suspecting that James O was creating this new kind of entertainment experience that could be weaponized, and he was aware of that when he was developing it. Then you. You would have to wonder how Avril was involved. How and if Avril was involved and
0: for sure. I I think whether
1: you know, so definitely
0: if we were to transplant this scenario into our circumstances, like if we said some American filmmaker made a movie that just completely paralyzes anyone who watches it, the FBI would want to know everything about that person and all his relationships and his production process and his kids and everything else. And that seems like what Steeply's doing.
1: I have a question. Why have they not been focusing on Mario?
0: That's a very good question. I think it's because everyone underestimates Mario all the time. Yeah. Yeah,
3: I would agree with that. Because if
1: anybody knows what was going on, it was Mario.
0: For sure.
3: Yeah, but. Because he was involved in the film. Okay. People overlook him and ignore
1: him. Okay. Were there Um, other
4: sections as part of this reading, or was it just the end note?
2: There's there also the, the thing in the tunnel.
1: The, the tunnels. Little yeah. layers are being peeled off to show us the fallout to the eschaton debacle,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
1: And that these little boys, those who hadn't been severely injured, were being punished by doing this, this trash
0: yeah. detail. Which is sort of nominally a punishment, although it, it makes clear that most of them would probably be down there anyway. They'd they be down this-
1: there anyway.
0: The small US boys seem to have this fetish for getting down in the enclosed fundaments underneath things.
1: Right. And the yeah. older US boys like to be up high where they can see out over the right. everywhere.
0: Which yeah. is is a, a real asset mm. at Enfield that they're on the top of this hill.
1: And in fact, it draws students
0: because mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> they're up on top mm-hmm. of a hill. That was so funny, I thought. It's also weird that so they mention Ann Kitten Plan. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Who was also assigned this this trash detail, but the boys dumped her out of it and said she didn't have to do it because of this little boys' club thing.
3: Right. In the tunnels. But it made me Mm -hmm. wonder,
1: she was the only girl that was going to be punished. The only younger the only girl involved in the Eschaton thing that was gonna be punished.
0: I'm trying to remember which other girls were there.
4: I thought she was the only one who played.
0: I think she might have been So she
4: might have been the
1: only one named.
0: Yeah. Huh. Yeah.
1: And if that's the case, why was that? That's weird, too. hmm mm-hmm. Either way, it's weird. Either that she was the only one punished or that she was the only one playing.
0: Could be systemic sexism. They talk about how the eschaton kids are all math and science kids.
1: Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the it, it humanity could, kids are kind of shunned. They yeah. can't be part of the tunnel club.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we know that math and science programs tend to push out women and girls and uh, right. and kind of force them to self-select out of those things. So it might be that for those reasons that the girls at ETA just aren't as interested in Eschaton.
3: Yeah, I think that is very likely.
1: This was another very uh, kind of... It wasn't high action, but it was very cinematic. Mm-hmm. This this whole thing about these little boys in the tunnels with their flashlights and they had the lights out because they didn't want to scare away the feral hamsters if they existed creeping around under the courts and under the, the campus, I thought was very... It was really vivid. You could really see it happening.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I mean, the tunnels seem so stupid. They're down. They have to clear out. They have to clear them out so that the the guys who assemble the the what do they call it the lung the the assemble that have to be able to get back in there to do that, and so they have to go through and clear out all the debris from these tunnels.
0: Yeah, all kinds of debris too. So, so speaking of kids being obsessed with getting down in the enclosed fundaments underneath things. This reminds me of Uh one of the greatest Twitter threads I've ever read. And I don't, it's kind of longish, so I don't want to share the whole thing. Um, This is by Dean lines, who's a British screenwriter. And it was in, in response to the question, what was the incident in your high school? Um, I'm just going to read a (laughs) couple pieces of it and, and you can, you can chase down the rest for yourself. It's an incredible story. It says, When I was like 14, me and a few mates would wag French class and hide out in the soundproof drum room until lunchtime. This went on for a few weeks when one day we discovered a trap door beneath the carpet-tiled floor under the drum kit. We of course opened the trap door. Turned out it was an access hatch to a series of small tunnels giving access to the heating pipes that ran around the school. Small but big enough to get get on our hands and knees and crawl around a bit. On the first day, we only got about 50 meters before turning back. That's when I had an idea that became an obsession. You see, our high school was horseshoe-shaped, symmetrical. Every room on one wing had a direct opposite. And the opposite room to the soundproof drum room on the other side of the horseshoe, the vending machine store room. And I figured if there was an access hatch in the drum room, there would be one in its mirror. This one leading to an Aladdin's cave of chocolate and sweets. It would be the perfect heist. We planned this like a military operation. Took us three weeks. Uh, off we went. So, so he tells this story about like, they can, they're crawling under the classrooms. There's, there's not enough room to turn around. There's these incredibly hot, uh, heat pipes next to them. They can hear classes happening above them. Um, and it all goes horribly, horribly wrong. It's an incredible story.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'll have to read it.
0: It involves eventually, um, police dogs coming into the building to make sure there's no one left under the floors. Oh. <laughs> oh
1: my gosh. So, the the crawling in small underground spaces is indeed a thing.
3: Yes. Yeah. Um and yeah, I can also attest to this. I didn't crawl into any small underground spaces, but I did spend a long time in a grocery store freezer when I was a kid.
0: Oh, really? Ah. What was that? Wait, what? what Tell me more.
3: Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah, um we used to go to the food co-op in Fort Collins. Uh-huh. Um and while my parents were uh, kind of filling out orders for like bulk orders and things like that, um, I would sneak into the big freezer that they had there and just kind of <laughs> hang out. Um, That's hilarious. One, point, one of the
2: store clerks
3: found me and they were like, "What are you doing in here?" And I kind of just shrugged and said, <laughs> "I don't know."
2: Oh, and, yeah,
0: I still don't know. <laughs>
4: I have no response for that. That's
0: very good.
1: It fits in with this whole story, that line, though, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Little boys in in enclosed weird dark spaces
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i really like the reference too that they're they're really excited about this thing that maybe there's a rat or a feral hamster because yeah. all of them are a bit uneasy about liking to congregate underground for no good or clear reason and the right. hunt for the rat or the hamster gives them it a like reason gives to be them there purpose. Yeah, yeah it gives
1: them a mm-hmm. purpose and they're so excited they talk about how A feral hamster would be the best thing because there would be such an outcry and it would really distract adults. Mm -hmm. And and they might become so distracted by the feral hamster's existence that they wouldn't dole out more punishments for the eschaton thing. Right, Mm -hmm. Uh, And they don't, they wouldn't, in fact, that they wouldn't dole out punishments to the big buddies. Mm. because of eschaton because Mm -hmm. they didn't want that to happen either so they thought it would just be generally a good thing but that even a rat would be good
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) because avril has (laughs) such a (laughs) phobia of all vermin right Uh, i did really like the the mention that canadian agronomists call feral hamsters the piranha of the plains
3: yes yes i enjoyed that as well yeah i like that too uh one thing i wanted to ask is do we think that blot actually saw a concavity hamster or is he just so. trying to? Yeah, I don't I, think so. I, I think I, I think that think he
0: was telling stories. I think he made it up completely, and now he's looking for something credible to say that the other kids will I don't believe. Know.
1: I thought yeah. maybe he saw. I thought maybe he saw a ghost.
0: <gasps> wow. They do say. They do assumed. say that. <laughs> that the.
1: And he just assumed. That it was a rat or a hamster because yeah. he wouldn't want to assume that it was a ghost, but that he well, saw something moving through the, the tunnels. They do say they do it, say that so feral hamsters
0: would, would explain, uh, an infestation of feral hamsters right. would explain some of the mysterious object movement right. things that are happening. Right, Feral because hamsters being notorious around. draggers and rearrangers of right. stuff they can't eat, but feel compelled to fuck with anyway somehow.
1: Right, right. <laughs> if you've ever had a hamster, you know this is true. They're yeah. constantly rearranging and moving yes. stuff around. Yeah. So- so that would explain it. So maybe he saw a ghost. I didn't think yeah. that he was making it up. I thought he mm. saw something. Mm. And he may have been wrong about it being a rat or a hamster, but I think he definitely saw something in the tunnels.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. Uh, two things. I'm on team. I don't think he saw something. I think he was just telling stories and now it's gotten way out of hand and he's trying desperately to find something to tell them. Otherwise they're going to beat him up. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one thing. Two things. Um, going back to the ghosts. Uh, well, actually, two yes. things about the ghosts as well. So, going back to the ghosts, we find out here that the hauntings began in August. Or at least, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, ETA objects in inappropriate places which started in August with thousands of practice balls found scattered all over the blue lobby carpet. Oh, that's right. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. yeah. So, if the hauntings so started what? in August, who is the ghost?
1: Da-da-da. What else was going on in August? I what? don't know.
0: I don't know that sure. we know exactly.
3: Yeah. Um. I know it's not James O. I know that because James O's suicide was earlier.
0: It it was years like earlier, five right? years prior, roughly.
2: Yeah. Right.
4: But what about the emergence of the entertainment? What if? Something yeah, like that? that would uh, compel him to uh, arise from the grave. I yeah. like James mm. O for the ghost just because I think that he's the most likely to be a restless spirit of mm-hmm. the dead people that we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And
1: he would be more apt to hang out at ETA.
0: Yeah. <laughs> also true. And set up yeah. a camera tripod. Let's not forget that the ghost right. set up a tripod right. in the woods.
3: Yeah, the tripod. Right. Now, uh, this does also feed into my point number two about ghosts, which is that if indeed Blot did see the ghost, uh, but he thought it was a rat, it means that this ghost isn't necessarily human shape, but kind of an abstract shape, which fits in more with being a poltergeist, uh, which isn't necessarily um, a restless spirit, but a malevolent being that's been summoned from the spirit plane. Interesting. Ah. That would
4: also um, lend credence to the moving of objects, considering the traditional understanding of ghosts is that they can't actually interact with physical objects, whereas poltergeists Mm. can. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Ah.
3: And poltergeists begin with moving objects, and Ah. then they move on to more and more malevolent
1: things. Ah. So maybe he saw a poltergeist in the tunnels.
2: Maybe. Whoa.
1: (laughs) I really, really want that. (laughs) I did like some of the other things that they see in the tunnels. Like all these, Mm -hmm. they refer to them as fridgelets. That just cracks me up. The dorm sized Mm -hmm. fridges, the fridgelets. Yeah. And the other thing that made me laugh really a lot was that they talk about how they get cleaned out and the doors get left open, right? And they right, put they stuff should. down oh, yeah. here. Well, I know they should. Any, like, <laughs> reasonable person knows that. But do teenage boys know that? Well, clearly well, they don't.
2: Well, you should let know me this. tell you.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
4: In preparation for break, right? Um, we encourage students to unplug and leave open their mini fridges in order to defrost them and um clean Keep them, them out
1: from becoming disgusting.
4: Right. Um it's not it's not because of the power savings, it's more right. a you should be good stewards of your perishable items. Right. You need um, to get rid of them, right? Yeah, so so we instituted that going into this break because famously there's always at least one fridge wherein students keep raw meat. Ugh. And oh. inevitably, either A, they just don't unplug and defrost their fridge and it rots because fridges aren't magic machines. Right. Or mm-hmm. <laughs> they forget that it's in there and they do unplug and defrost their refrigerator and then it rots and oh. smells like a dead body. Um, no. So, luckily, that hasn't happened yet this year but i did have a conduct meeting during which i met with students and was like hey you forgot to unplug your fridge please do that next time (laughs) and it was the dumbest conversation i've ever
2: had (laughs) with a student
1: i found it not very believable that all Mm. these fridge are down in the dark tunnels dumped by students and that nobody just took that uh, so one of them obviously took a full fridge down with the door shut, but it didn't ring true to me that there was that they only came across one, and that they came across so many that had been cleaned out with their doors open. That didn't seem right to me. I I doubted it. I thought yeah. that maybe, maybe a third of them would be, <laughs> if not if not full, then at least not quite cleaned out. I mean, you don't. Yeah. It doesn't. Ha- it only has to have some. Some debris in it, if if it's shut
2: mm-hmm. and
1: closed up, it's gonna mm-hmm. stink
2: mm-hmm. unless
1: it's absolutely clean. Like it would be hard to get it clean enough so that the door could be shut for a year and you wouldn't get some kind of really foul odors coming from it. so i I, I wondered about that. But I did like that they called them fridgelets because I I've never heard them referred to like that. And I also like yeah. their reference to the old broadcast TVs that older kids liked to watch for the static. They just like yeah. to watch the static, they
0: said. Mm-hmm. What
4: weirdo!" It's funny because,
0: that, I mean, you say that, but like, it's very much a, a retro thing, like in our world too. Right. The idea of TV right. static is such this, right. it like harkens back to an earlier, simpler time.
1: And I yeah,
4: guess it yeah.
1: watches of, that by
4: choice. I don't, I don't think I was kind
2: of
3: fascinated by static.
1: I don't I don't it's think it's kind you'd... of like visual <laughs> white noise though. It is. Isn't that's it? It, it's it, kind that's of like exactly what it white is. noise. It's yeah. like yeah.
0: yeah. So I don't I don't think that like they would put relaxing? it on and like watch with undivided attention, but they might put it on in the background as they did other things. I could see that. Just
1: as a calming
4: no. sort of thing. It makes
0: me want to try it or, to see what it's like.
1: Yeah, see how
4: it feels. Yeah. This doesn't detract from my assertion. What
2: weirdos?
4: (laughs) I love you both, but you are weirdos.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, One other thing that's alluded to here that I I had to look up because it sounded fake to me, but it is in fact a real thing that Vinny, you, you may already know about. I didn't know that uh, that tennis ball pressurizers were a thing. I
1: didn't know that either. What? Is that really true? Sure the
0: so the, there's this mention what? of tennis balls that are so dead that yes. even the pressurizer can't revive them. I
1: just assumed that was a lie. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, um, yeah. but there is here. There's yeah, I figured that was just some weirdo. I thought that was just technology right. That
1: they were talking right. About.
0: The one that I found on my googling. It's just like an airtight bag shaped for putting tennis balls in it hooks up to a bicycle pump and you pump it up and it, you just ah, keep your oh, tennis wow. balls in there and presumably the higher pressure somehow like i don't know ah. infiltrates the rubber core and and keeps them bouncy mm. ah and this is this is beyond just
3: keeping them pressurized it will actually repressurize them
0: i'm not this one I'm not sure about but presumably such a thing exists like at at a tennis school i would imagine them having just like a a big uh air tank that they'd they'd drop the tennis balls in and leave them for a while until they recovered huh because could you
4: imagine how many tennis balls a place like eta goes through oh
0: my gosh so many there's a thing about um is that i think there's a david foster wallace story about wimbledon Like a a magazine article that he wrote that talks about the the dump truck loads of tennis balls that they go through. (laughs) Oh, wow.
4: And is that just from where from being hit around for for competitive
0: play for like for like tournaments? You always want a fresh ball for every like every serve. Basically, you want a a new fresh ball. And so they go through a lot
3: but like at a tennis academy it is just from being hit around so much and some mm-hmm. of the depressurized balls you do use for like some practices like um oh i feel like some serve practices you use depressurized balls for and yeah cuz like it kind of encourages
0: you to build strength
3: right yeah huh. um but yeah, at a certain time it does get to be where they're just way too far gone in which mm-hmm. case i mean we would usually then just give the balls to the dogs but Right. That's oh, the
4: solution. Yeah. That's the right answer.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't Why don't they, all they all have a pack of pumps? tennis
4: ball dogs? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, I just I found another know. website that's talking about repressurizing balls. And mm. they reference the, the pressure ball thing that you just showed us the link to. And it says it recharges, repressurizes oh. flat tennis balls and also keeps new ones at the correct pressure.
0: Interesting. That's so cool. Uh, mm. it seems that 14 Wild. PSI is the target when you're huh. repressurizing <laughs> a tennis ball. Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah, there's lots of them. There's lots of different You devices. can build one
0: yourself with a pressure cooker. <laughs> wow. wow.
4: <laughs> First make dinner, then pressurize your tennis
1: balls. Mm-hmm. Pressure cookers are scary. Although I guess not the new modern ones. The old ones were terrifying.
4: Actually, anytime <laughs> I think of pressure cookers, I think of Jonathan asking me, do you like danger? <laughs>
2: Not in my kitchen,
1: Jonathan.
4: Not
2: in my kitchen so much. Not so much.
0: Well, so that's that's like. Do do we have anything else to say about the tunnels here? This is kind of the end of our reading. Um,
3: Let's see. I've got one question and one observation. Okay. Uh, My question is: Where are the adults?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
0: Good question.
1: You're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know where some of them are because this is happening during that show match. Oh, that's ben right. Yeah, and, so, yeah. And, and they listed where a lot of people are, right? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And so but it, most of the but adults are funny. young. funny. So this is yeah. supposedly a punishment that was meted out to these kids, but there's no adults making sure that they're doing no. it. Not no. only is it
3: a punishment, but they're in, they're moving trash in a crowded tunnel. Right. That's Dangerous, right. yeah. Right.
4: This it right. reminds me of um, detention in the Forbidden Forest in mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Like, why would you send children? It's such a, a liability that that issue at right. night. Right.
2: Exactly. are even with
4: that,
3: at least they've got there. Hagrid with them, don't they?
4: Right. Some yes, of them but right. Do. they split up into groups. Yes. Oh no. Yeah. So <laughs> one of them gets the dog, and one of them gets Hagrid, and like. Oh. Okay, Fang is great, but
1: not an adult. <laughs> that is a really good question, though, Vinny. Where are the yeah. adults? Like, where mm-hmm. were the adults? The same question came up about the eschaton game. Where are the right? adults when there's an eschaton game going on? That, certainly, the, <laughs> the potential for violence is extreme in the eschaton game. Mm-hmm. I mean any reasonable adult could see how things could fall apart and there could be fights and arguments and and any number of things could happen. Yeah. And where are the adults? Also in the tunnels, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Goodness. Goodness.
0: Or just the just the idea that The administration at ETA kind of just knows that kids sneak into the tunnels all the time. Right. Like, why wouldn't you you lock those doors or do something to stop them from doing that?
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And perhaps even the bigger question, the greater question is, why all the tunnels? They describe in this section, where the tunnels go? Right. You know, some of them are like, have a real purpose and others are just like for crap to be stashed in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't make any it sense definitely that there are so seems many like tunnels
0: one, of, under one ETA. of James O's idiosyncratic obsessions.
1: Right. I mean mm-hmm. any normal any normal kind of place would have you wouldn't call you might call them tunnels, but really the official word would be like
0: service uh, ducts or
1: or walkways or hallways or yeah. or something. Utilidors? That they're walkways to go to different parts of the campus. Mm -hmm. But the whole tunnel, the Mm -hmm. whole tunnel name makes them sound like anybody who's down there shouldn't be down there somehow.
2: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Like it's not like just a underground hallway, like the opposite of the, what do you call them in Minneapolis? The skyways. Yeah. The opposite of that, you mm-hmm. know, the, a way to get from point A to point B without having to go outside. Oh, You'd like think the Pedways. A... Yes, yeah. right in yeah. Chicago. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that there would be a name for them that would indicate that they're supposed to be used mm-hmm. to get to these to the dorms or to the. Don't the prefects have rooms? The not prefects. What do they the, call? Yeah, yeah them the prorectors. Pro- the prorectors'
0: pro- rooms are, are positioned off of some of the larger tunnels.
1: Right. So why did they call those tunnels? It makes the pro sound like they're like <laughs> underground dwelling creatures. Whoa. Wait, they're not? Well, maybe they are. I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah, but they are
1: grad I, it, students. It, mm, it's yes. so strange. <laughs> It's so strange. And James O had his film production room down there, right? Mm -hmm. You got the. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get the parts where they talk about service tunnels. That makes sense. That's that's you know access to utilities and stuff. But but they're more than that. They're just strange.
0: Just briefly, since you mentioned the skyways in Minneapolis, and I'm I'm interested uh-huh. in labyrinths of all kinds. Uh, uh-huh. if I, I don't know how much they've changed since we that we went through them probably 15 years ago, something like that, mm-hmm. close to. Um, yeah, there are these. It's this this big network of second story connections between buildings so that you can go from building right. to building in downtown Minneapolis. You can, go without, miles. you can go miles without going outside in downtown Minneapolis, right. which makes sense for the winters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, when we were visiting uh, Minneapolis, cause I was starting college there, we just decided to wander them one morning. And the weirdest thing about them was that the skyway system has its own hours um, that are distinct from the buildings they connect to. And, and so the, there's these like, Connections between buildings, but then there are also designated skyway hallways where you can, like, follow markings on the floor to get to the next connecting right. bridge. And and so mm. we walked, like, from the middle of downtown basically to the river through – like the lobbies of banks that weren't open right. yet and banks through and office hotels. buildings and hotels. Yeah, hotels. And I think we walked and- walked through a, a medical, a, like a doctor's office or a dental clinic or something. Yeah, it was
1: very strange. It was so odd. But they don't call those tunnels.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> they they no, they don't. <laughs> they
1: should maybe. They should maybe. The
0: above ground tunnels.
1: They did yeah, make you feel tunnels. like I think. Oh, uh, sky tunnel!
0: <laughs> sky tunnel no, is walk- very good. The the
1: the skywalks mm-hmm. and the the fact that they went th- through these weird places, businesses that were closed. They felt like you shouldn't. You felt like you shouldn't be. Yeah, there, it felt like
0: trespassing, which is mm-hmm.
1: probably like being these little boys being in the tunnels, th- mm-hmm. which is probably part of the lure. Allure is that they felt like they they shouldn't be there.
2: Yeah. Even yeah. though
1: perhaps they, no one has ever told them that they can't be there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but they felt like they shouldn't be there. That's how you feel when you go through those skyways in Minneapolis.
4: That also reminds me of the, the Pedway in Chicago because yeah. they have underground tunnels um, <laughs> to do basically the same thing as the skyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I used the most often went past uh, Marshall Fields' basement.-huh mm, mm-hmm. so you could get into Marshall Fields from the Pedway, but I always felt weird to be going past Marshall Fields and like this little back door.
2: yeah yeah, it. yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, you feel like you're you feel like you're an intruder mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> You feel like you could be arrested, maybe <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> Uh, Where are the adults? Is the question. Uh, My observation is that uh, one of these uh, students in the tunnels doesn't know what maggots are.
0: Oh right!
4: Right. Oh yeah! Surprising for a teenage boy. Well, but they're
0: not all teenagers. So some of them are like ten or eleven. There's one that's young enough that he like his feelings get hurt and he starts crying and he talks about how he wants to leave. So
1: right and they have to and they have to entertain him with uh, horrible little nursery rhymes yeah. which also were pretty funny the i did mary like had the uh, lamb it's fleece electrostatic and everywhere that mary went the lights became erratic
0: yes i like that one a lot
4: <laughs> i had two things
0: yeah
2: okay one
4: on 669 we learn about an eight year accumulation of pennies <laughs> and i just wanted to share that my grandparents had a very large collection of pennies in a metal milk container, yeah. uh, which is about the height Those of my hip.
0: Yeah, a full-sized um, full sized milk can. Full
4: milk can. Full to the brim. Oh pennies. my gosh.
0: If it, I, I, I uh, firmly yeah. believe, I, I had a chance to see this in its full glory, and I firmly believe that if it weren't on the concrete slab in the basement, it like would have cracked yeah. the floor joists
4: oh i believe mm-hmm. it would be that be really yeah. heavy
0: yeah
4: um yeah. yes so lots of pennies <laughs> i have seen them and that's a lot it's a uh, thing to behold and on 670 at the very very bottom there's one whole box on its side with its phrase strapping tape split spilled part of a load of old tp cartridges mm. old and mostly unlabeled yeah um I just wanted to call people's attention to that because I wasn't sure what to make of it knowing right. that James O's studio is down here.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Point. These could be the I, entertainment. They could what, be rough cuts or Who like knows? source footage. I don't know. It's it's very ominous. Yeah, they I, could
3: even just be tennis.
0: Right. Yeah. Also that. But, but, but anytime that the narrator goes out of the way to mention that a TP cartridge is unlabeled, it kind of makes me more aware of it and, and worried about what's (laughs) going to happen to it.
1: And it also kind of, I mean, they describe it as frayed strapping tapes. So what frays the strapping tapes? Are there rats chewing on it or has somebody been down there? Uh, I thought know, that was for the way on it to get it open. Or, right. Yeah, or or, is, it, open or so is it just that, that the, the oh, tape is so old that it
0: started to deteriorate?
1: I don't think you would describe that as frayed. I don't oh, think it was, true. would fray. Strapping yeah, tape true. is really strong. Captain it is. Strapping tape yeah. has those bands. Like that strings run through, through it. it. Yeah. Right. Like it would Mm-mm. be hard. You you couldn't just break strapping tape with your hands. Right. Uh, If you were a rat, you could chew on it and fray Mm -hmm. it. If you Mm -hmm. were a human, you could hack at it with something.
2: A feral hamster. Some hard
1: object. Mm -hmm. If you were a feral hamster, you could gnaw on it. But someone. So these these things didn't just accidentally spill out of the box. Somebody had to open the strapping tape.
0: Mm -hmm. to make the
1: box open to make the cartridges fall out. True. Is there any chance that there's a feral hamster in the tunnels under ETA? I,
0: I hope so. I I, I really so I wish nothing that. but success to the feral hamsters yeah, of the world. Yeah, me
1: too. I so hope yeah. that there's a feral hamster <laughs> the, down there. Them
0: and the, the giant praying mantises that live in people's abandoned yeah, in houses, people's houses and maintain houses, the roofs. Right, and
1: keep them. There was a lot in this chapter. There was. Yeah, this, was, this yeah. was juicy. And this bunch.
0: Does anyone have anything they would like to promote or announce or plug?
1: By the next time we meet, we will be in a new year, and I would just like to plug a new year.
0: Yeah, that sounds nice. (laughs) I'm ready for a new one. Yeah, you know?
1: A new, different year. Yeah, by the
3: time people are listening to this, they'll have more of an idea of what 2021 will be like than we do now. But still, let's go ahead and plug 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: If you. Want to read my research paper on the Chapel Incident of 1969 at Marquette University? You can download that off of my website at com. It's what riveting. Fun. The Chapel Incident
0: it's of 1969 really at Marquette University yeah. is, is such a fascinating thing. It has ties to like the Chicago 7 and the Milwaukee 14 and other anti Vietnam protest movements. It's great. It's, it's, it's very really great.
3: interesting. Uh, if you're interested in seeing more of me and my paintings, uh, you can check out my Instagram at CardboardVV. And if you're interested in checking out any of my experimental films or other narrative projects, uh, you can visit my Vimeo at Vimeo.com slash henceforth.
0: Excellent. Uh, my website is agingrick.com uh, And I'm also on Instagram at Coffee Stop Fix. We have an email address for this podcast. If you want to get in touch with us for any reason, you can send a message to smallcleverpod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at smallcleverpod. Next time we'll be talking about pages 673 to 698. Our music is by Jonathan Rigby. You can listen to his podcast, The Land of Random on Spotify. Thanks for listening. This is death. Woe to those that gazeth on death. The Bible.
3: Um, I have a fun announcement. On Tuesday, I'm going to get the vaccine. Oh, exciting! Oh my
2: gosh!